Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. You're in a lot of trouble, and maybe it's because... Well, sorry, Canada. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Toronto. And because Philly sucks. I feel like I fear Boston most of all out of any of the Eastern Conference teams. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nah. Yeah. Hello. And welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 56, live streaming today on a beautiful Sunday morning, uh, joined by, as per usual, Riley Feldman and Kyle Carr. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of brewhoop.com. Guys, we took a week off, thought that maybe we'd uh, be able to drum up a little more news in the interim. We did not, uh, based on my early returns. So it's going to be maybe a little bit of a basketball light show, but we've prepared an incredible amount of, uh, of tangentially related content uh, that Riley and Kyle have really been cooking up all week. So um, guys, how, how are you doing? Most of all, first of all, I should have asked that right out the, right out of the gate. Well, how are you guys doing? I'm doing okay. It's uh, it's beautiful here in Minneapolis, much as it is apparently over in Philadelphia and hopefully in Madison as well. Uh, we've just been kind of hanging out yesterday. We went down to a couple of the local lakes here in Minneapolis and checked things out, which was cool. Uh, the weather was nice and uh, yeah, social distancing is what it's all about. Yeah, things are good over here. Weather also pretty nice. Emma and I got new patio furniture, so we're going to get that put together and that'll be nice if we're going to be staying at home for another month might as well have that on hand but what the return of spring weather means the return of allergies and this is the worst time for my own mental health that for me to have any allergic reactions and i'm not sure if i've got corona or if it's allergies or if it's a cold so that's the one negative i will say with the nicer weather is i don't know what my current situation is that is fair. I am I am very fortunate to not have allergies, so I, I don't have to go through that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't have much in the way. I'll have some years where it's bad and some years where it isn't, but uh, yeah, it's not great. Hold on. All right, Riley, hold on. Your mic, it is it sounds, not working? It sounds, it sounds like it's being... <laughs> no. I'm not an Apple fanboy. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's my allergies are awful. I what I remember a couple of years ago when I was testing if I was allergic to cats. I did the test and like they have it like prick your like forearm. Yeah, and like if it's like a large bump, it means you're allergic. And I just remember like my whole arm just like swelled because everything they tested before I was ended up being allergic to. <laughs> 
So it was a good time to know that. Yeah. I'm just every spring I'm going to be miserable for a couple weeks. But you're good with you're good with cats, right? Because you have a cat. I took allergy shots so that I can build up my immunity to cats. Like it's still there, okay. but it's not as severe as it was. And I think now that we've had her for like three years now, I'm just used to it. Okay. You're just used to like having a constant state of uh, your skin being on the verge of breaking out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> every once in a while, just like a sneezing attack every like couple days, like it's fine. <laughs> it's the new norm. How about now? Now I know this is definitely we're trying on the fly in the middle of the podcast, but how about now? Can you hear me? <laughs> it's it yeah, sounds much better. better. It okay. sounds like. Do you remember those like toy mics that you would have that would like just have like a spring in it or something? That's basically yeah, yeah, what yeah. it sounded like, but like sent through hell as well. It was very, <laughs> it was pretty good. Okay, good to know. Well, I'm glad it fixed now, so uh, we're good to go. All right. Well, <clears throat> thanks, guys. Uh, thank you to everyone who's who's uh, joining us and been listening to us and continuing to listening to us throughout this uh, quarantine period. We're just going to get to do a, a brief state and update on the, the state of the league, what's been going on. Um, turns out not much, actually. Uh, Adam Silver had a conference call this past week. Uh, he really seems just as unsure as all of us about when this whole uh, COVID situation might be cleared up enough that they'll be able to resume play. Uh, one of his quotes, based on the reports that we got from very dead side officials, current public health officials, we are not in a position to make any decisions. Uh, and it's unclear when we will be. So uh, if if anyone was thinking that there might be some clarity soon, uh, really doesn't seem like it. Obviously, it sounds like they're sort of going through and bringing in, you know, public health officials and smart uh, virologists to try and an epidemiologist to try and tackle this thing. Uh, Brian Windhorst talked about a, a potential 25 day program being tossed hours, you know, sort of 11 days for players to get working out and get up to speed and then like a two week training camp. And then the, the season would sort of resume from there, but that's just one of the potential plans. They said, basically they're asking for plans from any, anyone and anywhere to try and figure out a way to get this going again. So um, re- I mean, really we're in the same sort of holding pattern that we've been for a couple of weeks now, Riley. Yeah, we are. And I think the issue is, because they are forced to do horse competitions, and obviously that's just awful TV and nothing about it was great. Um, I understand the desperation for some content. I get it. Um, however, if that leads to them having to purchase an islands in the middle of the Pacific and flying everyone there and then having them quarantine for a few weeks and like doing container ship loads of equipment and food and other you know life essential resources there, we might be thinking a little bit too outside of the box to make things happen. And so <laughs> I'm still, I appreciate that they're updating us. However, it's probably more appropriate that we just resign ourselves that it's going to be a while. And even uh, like um, Anthony Fauci, he was and other experts as well talking about, even if we phase in and start opening things up again, gradually, the last things that are going to happen that are going to be brought back are essentially big events like, concerts, sporting events, things like that. Now, whether or not they can get around it based on however many people, if it's just the players and a couple of staffers and a couple of camera people, maybe that's one thing, but it feels like right now we're still, like you said, and like everybody else has said, kind of guessing in the dark. Um, and I, I think it's valuable that they're talking about how they're going to start getting out of this. But right now, I'm not sure if any of the plans are all that compelling to say, yes, this is a, a viable way we could go about it. 
Yeah, I feel like it's just going to, with working with all the public health experts, every, it seems like every state or every area has a different stay at home and how long it's going. Because, you know, you have some states like Wisconsin just recently announced it's going to go until end of May. You might have some others that are just going to decide not to be stay at home. So it's because there's so many, there's so many different areas that have different measurements and stay at home orders and how long it goes. I feel like it's kind of tough to give an exact date. I know like MLS said, we're, we're looking at, I think it was like June, but at this rate, it's probably going to get postponed. It's just like, yeah, I'd rather just them say, we don't know where we're coming back. We're going to, but say, kind of just say, we don't know when we're going to come back, but we're going to finish the current season. Like, I think if they said that, that would be better than trying to give any target date in mind because, you know, if they say end of May and things haven't gotten better, then you're going to have to postpone it again and everyone's going to get excited for the end of May and that's just going to be continuously being pushed aside. So I say just come out with the same and say, we want to finish the season, we just don't know when that's going to be. And if that means we have to sacrifice the following season, so be it. I think that would just be the easier approach to it, but... You know, I think everyone's still trying to figure things out, and it's more which league is going to be the first one to kind of say, okay, we're having games back. Because kind of like when everyone was canceling and postponing games, it was kind of the at the beginning, it was more which one is going to do it first. And it was the NBA was the first one with Rudy Gobert's situation, and then it kind of just trickled out from there. And now I think it's going to have to be the opposite of which league is going to come back. And because of that, which one is it going to, um, who's going to follow? But it also depends on, you know, television rights and stuff like that. Because, you know, if it's behind a paywall like ESPN Plus, it's a little bit more doable because you still need a camera crew, but it's not as needed compared to, you know, if we get to that point like the NFL where they have to use cable television of like, you know, the CBSs and Fox, then you're going to have to figure that out as well. So I think just depending on how the, what media you're going to, used to present it along with which league is going to be first. I don't think any, I don't know. And I've said it before and I said it again, any league that hasn't started, isn't happening in 2020 and any league that's over 50% of the way completed, they'll get back eventually. Yeah. The lack of clarity, whether they want to continue this season or just go to the next season, I, I think is probably going to be the most, the, the it's probably, it's been the biggest talking point. It's going to continue to be the biggest talking point. We'll decide how exactly we want to approach that. Uh, I, I do think it would help if they did come out and say, you know, we are going to try and finish the season. And I, I'm curious how that makes uh, a difference because realistically, even if they pushed back the, the start date of next year's season, uh, I mean, Kyle makes a good point that every region is going to be different. Like the LA mayor came out and said he 20, like late 2021 or something like he doesn't anticipate sporting events or concert events until then. So like, Realistically, even if you push back the start date of next season to Christmas, a lot of places you probably won't even be able to have fans yet. I, I doubt many people will want to go to a large-scale sporting event, even at the end of the year, provided there is no sort of large-scale sufficient vaccine in place uh, for this. So, you know, realistically, at this point, Riley, it would just kind of be like, are they just going to come out and say the playoffs are going to happen? And is that more beneficial given the sort of TV ratings and everything involved with that? And then just sort of say, Hey, you know, we're not going to get any sort of, you know, gate revenue from these playoff games. I don't know. I don't really know how they weigh those, those sort of two factors of like gate revenue of playoff games versus uh, how much more money those are for in terms of TV rights. 
Yeah, and I think we've talked about this from the very beginning where if there's going to be something that gets them back on track, it's going to be the amount of money. They're already forfeiting a ton. And I think even the delayed playoffs that happens in December or whenever it happens um, would be more valuable to them than even a shortened season where there's a slate of like, thank God games are back. Everybody watches it all at the same time. I still think the heightened stakes, even though, and here's the other thing too, right? We're going to go this long, and then are the owners of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, however they decide to cut it off, are they going to be like, well, what the hell, man? We've been out for however many months. Now we have to wait you know, another two, three months to let the playoffs finish out, and then we're going to – so you know, it's not even just determining the more than 50% of the league that will probably make the playoffs depending on how they cut it off, but then it's all the other owners that are like, well, you know, what are we going to do? Um, and so that, that kind of might throw something a little bit – something in the wrench unless they figure out something where it's like we'll try and share out the tv revenue or any sort of revenue we generate um but but i think you know i was even thinking about it earlier this week where we might realistically depending on testing and tracing contact tracing all those sorts of things as we work it out i mean it's moving somewhat slowly here in the u.s but in general maybe we'll be able to slowly open things up but i think people are still underestimating how much this is going to change things until we get the vaccine because it, are we? Is anybody going to feel comfortable? Unless, of course, as we said, they buy like some plot of land in North Dakota and just isolate everybody there, which would be just <laughs> strange, extreme. But maybe that's how they go about it. But would anybody be comfortable and say, even if you test the dudes constantly, like having these guys play that physical sports, they're all kind of stuck on the bench with each other. Are they all going to be like spread out? So I think they'll probably. there's just a lot of discussions that are going to have to go into it. I think they're going to try and make it happen, but they'll probably be one of the last leagues that do. They'll see, you know, maybe some, you know, sideshow ish sport like uh, MMA with the UFC. Maybe they'll start. Okay. Let's see how that goes. Maybe something like soccer, baseball. Maybe I think they'll probably take their cues. So like Kyle was saying, first one's out, probably last one's back in is the process I would get expect. I still think they're going to do playoffs, but how they figure out how to split up the revenue to, lessen the burden on others. That's going to be the big question. <sighs> it's difficult. I don't know. Any other th- thoughts you guys have? I feel like we'll have, we have this, we'll have this sort of conversation every week and it's, we still are, are lacking any sort of like progression at this point. At this rate, no one knows anything and we just have to approach it that way. No one knows what's going to happen unless you have a time machine. The only thing that I, I, the only thing I'm curious, I agree with Kyle about that. I'm curious what they're going to be doing about all the other, what's going to be really interesting, not just the revenue sharing and how they come up with different plans, but how they adjust the CBA. And it sounds like they're working with the players union to figure it out, but how are we going to do the draft? How are we going to figure out what the order for that is? If the season doesn't actually end yet, how is free agency going to work? How are the contracts going to be extended out? What does this drop in revenue mean for, and this is a good plug for Eric Names' work over at the, at the Athletic. He worked with Daniel LaRue to talk about what this could mean for Giannis's Supermax offer. It's those kind of stuff that, yes, it sucks. The season is over. Yes, it's, you know, whatever. It's on pause right now. We haven't been able to see how the playoffs will work out. But what's more interesting is those longer-term things because I think all of us here and most Bucks fans would agree the biggest thing secondary to winning the championship is what does Giannis do for his next contract? And this, you know, all of this is going to play a huge role in that. So that's why I'm keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, and I, I think that uh, there was some news that o- owners were pushing to have the draft moved from June to August. Um, so that would be obviously another repercussion of this. Um, I mean, who knows if they'd even be playing ball yet in August? But uh, you know, that that's something that you may have to have to look out for. So yeah. Uh, well, one thing that is certain um, is uh, Dante Divincenzo continues yeah. to uh, provide really quality content. This is very going to be a very brief rendition of Dante's Inferno. I, I watched him a few minutes of his interview with Zora Stevenson because, you know, God love him. God love the Bucks. They're putting out a lot of content to try and keep us all satiated. But uh, I just wanted to, to point out one highlight from it. Um, started off with Dante talking about how he's been working out, you know, making sure he's keeping up with everything. He's sort of a, a late morning, early afternoon workout guy for anyone who didn't watch it uh, and was curious um, but one thing he did note was he said he's basically still doing his uh, has to do his rehab work because otherwise he might, um, you know, it might all uh, go back to uh, the same heel issue he had last year, which I didn't realize was a thing where you sort of have a heel issue and you have to keep doing rehab work uh, a year on. So um, kudos to you, Dante, for keeping up on the work that you need to keep your heel in place, keep your foot in place and keep you as a, a functioning human uh, among us all. Um, also said he's playing a lot of Call of Duty, so that's good. that's good to hear. Good for Dante. Um, yeah, that was about it. I'm sorry, I couldn't watch the whole thing. I meant to watch it for everyone to give people highlights, but I just couldn't do it. So that's fine. You already watched the 2K, and that was enough torture <laughs> on yourself. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, thank you, Kyle. Um, guys, let's move on to our our next segment. Like I said, going to be a little basketball light this week, but. This week, we have who would we want from this random Bucks team on this year's Milwaukee Bucks team. So we have chosen the 1990-1991 Milwaukee Bucks, uh, an all-time barn-burning team. What they finished? 48 and 34 or something. They did They did okay. Um, <laughs> this is the definition. The entire 90s, they did okay. <laughs> they, 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 did they were okay. good for 90 standards yes yeah. yeah yeah that's true 48 and 34 not bad third in the uh central division so um it, it, it you know i i can go first guys because I, I i you know i i put this up pretty late in the outline so i'll go first and go go with my answer so i looked through this roster a couple of intriguing players in there a couple of intriguing guards um but who i ultimately went with was uh you know, a 35 year old Jack Sigma. And, you know, he's at the, he's at the, he's, he's uh, in his last season in the NBA, last ride with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, as some people know him, um, Goldilocks, one of his nicknames, also Banger. Um, but what this guy did, fellas, is his age 35 season, okay? Um, this is an old man at this point, 10.4 points per game. He's still getting 5.7 rebounds per game, 1.9 assists, uh, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks. Not great for a dude who's a center, um, but, you know, 77 games, 25.2, minute, 25.2 minutes per game, started almost half the season. But what really intrigued me is the the 34.1% three-point percentage on 1.8 attempts per game. Guys, this guy was a stretch five. Clearly, before ahead of his time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I watched three minutes of highlights of him before this. His shot is one of the ugliest I've seen in a long time, but mm-hmm. God love him, it went in better than Brooke Lopez. So, I'm what I'm going to do is bring in Jack Sigma, give us an old guy on his his last legs, 
It's been, you know, it was in Milwaukee for a couple years before this. So I'm going to bring in Jack Sigma and um, Robin Lopez. You're off the team. So we're, we're bringing in Jack Sigma, getting rid of Robin, breaking up the Lopez twins. But I, what I like is I like Sigma's length and I like his, his three point ability. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, that, 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 that's what I'm thinking. So that, that, so that's we're basically bringing a healthy Paul Gasol is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. A healthy Paul Gasol uh, for the chemistry. Yes. And the leadership. I honestly looking through this, like you said, you kind of put it up a little bit late, which is no big deal. Looking at the roster, my heart immediately goes again to brick Frank Brickowski. <laughs> Just think I'm thinking the guy that I saw, two weeks ago, just a little bit younger. So like the potential is even higher, but looking up Brad Lowhouse, looking when you just YouTube his name, the first two videos are Dennis Rodman versus Brad Lowhouse. And then the second one is Brad Lowhouse denies Michael Jordan in February 27th, 1990. And the description of that video says NBA record, whitest man ever to block Michael Jordan. So I think that, <laughs> that feels promising. Uh, I'm going to pull up the the denial here, but uh, maybe I'll go Brad Lowhouse just for the sake of it. But uh, yeah, so that's my take. Uh, yeah, this is tough because this is there's not really a lot of young pieces that Jones has <laughs> been help out with this team. Yeah. Um, uh, I was also because I because I recognize some of the names just because when I was doing my what if on the Don Nelson Bucks there's some names that kind of are left over and primarily Ricky Pierce. The only issue is Ricky Pierce was battling injuries, so he only played 46 games. But he would have been a great six man, even though he only played 46 games. He still got 22 points, 22 and a half points per game, shooting 39 percent from three. So that would have been very appealing, but. I think if I had to choose, I would go with, mm, let's go by the slimmest of the margins, Jay Humphreys, who led the team in assists, 6.7 assists, 15.2 points per game. He's 28, so still relatively young enough, played 34 minutes. He was still able to get 50% from the field, 37% from three, Free throws was almost 80, so you know he's reliable with shooting the ball and getting to the basket. I think he would just be a good playmaker to have on the team, um, someone that can handle the responsibility. Again, it's been in the league long enough. So I would go with Jay Humphreys, and I would most likely take Pat Connaughton out of the lineup just because we probably don't need another guard on the roster. And while Pat Connaughton's shooting – would be very helpful. Um, I would just, I, I would think Humphreys would be able to just give George Hill and Eric Bledsoe a breather, and then that way we don't have to rely on Dante. As great as he is, it, we can take the playmaking responsibility out of Dante's hands. I love it. I love it, guys. We've made the team superior. <laughs> I I have an update on these Brad Lowhouse videos. So two things so on the Dennis Rodman versus Brad Lowhouse uh, clip. It just has a giant graphic that says those exact words over the fight. So you can't even see the fight. The block was not impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> now, could you, could you teach Brad to do the Brooke Lopez, just keep the arms up drop scheme. There's potential, but the block was not great. And then the only other videos I'm really seeing are a Carl Malone quote in your face, Brad Lowhouse. So I'm guessing he dunked on him. 
And then this other video says Milwaukee Bucks, Brad Lowhouse jams. So it's from the 1993 season, all of his dunks. It's 10 seconds long and it's two dunks. They play them at normal speed and then they play each dunk slowed down. That's all, that's all it is. So <laughs> it feels like there's still like potential because even Brooke Lopez doesn't dunk that much. So maybe he would also be my Robin replacement kind of along you there, Adam. But uh, I guess I feel a little more shaky about my pick at this point, having seen the highlights uh, <laughs> and lack thereof. Yeah, well, I'll admit that the Sigma highlights were also from earlier in his career, and one of them was mm-hmm. just him getting a rebound. Um, it's fine. <laughs> you know. Hey, you know what? Basketball was a different sport at that time. The piece that you were it expecting was. these guys, it was it was different. It was a whole different game. Which we um, will understand when we watch The Last Dance. We'll get a good glimpse of 90s basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey, speaking of the last dance, it's time for rapid fire questions, guys. And one of them, the first one has to do with that. So my question to you is, which current Bucks player would you like a 10-hour documentary on a la the last dance? So my initial take, obviously, is Dante. If Dante's (laughs) not going to be the guy, I'm trying to, so like... I can't even remember who the hell's on the team anymore. Let me let me pull up the roster <laughs> so I can get a vibe for. I mean, so obviously the easy pick is Giannis, right? So let's do a non-Giannis category because yes. we already know about it. He's going to have a Disney movie. The whole thing's already coming up. So if it was going to be him, probably a guy with a bit of a longer career. I don't know, Kyle. Do you have any like initial like somebody that really jumps off? The page for this you. is where I really wish John Henson was still on the box because that would be a fun time. <laughs> um, but it'd be a I lot of content it, at it'd be a lot of Chipotle shots, is what it'd be a lot of fishing, it'd be a lot of Chipotle. <laughs> um, I think I'd go with George Hill. I think with his career that he's had and the variety of teams that he's played for, and you know, he's pretty much been around playoff contending teams or teams that had superstar players most of his career. So I think it would be interesting to see his approach to it. Um, and knowing that he was part of the trade that got San Antonio Kawhi Leonard would be a nice little wrinkle in that as well. So I, I think George Hill's career would be pretty interesting. And based off of some of the stories that we've gotten from the journal Sentinel, his off the court life seems pretty. It, it also seems interesting between his like hunting and all the other stuff that he does. So I know George Hill is the first name that comes out of my that comes to my head. I I totally I don't know why I blanked on this. It has to be Urson. Oh. He's he's lived and died six separate lives in the NBA. <laughs> he was drafted, played, went overseas again, came back. We have no idea where he's actually from, what his actual name is. You know, allegedly, obviously, is Urson, allegedly. But think of you get this glimpse on like all those really cruddy 2000s Bucks teams, 20 early 2010s, a little bit of the drama back. You get his backstory, which I'm sure is really interesting given 
everything that's in the air about it. You know, he's he doesn't strike me as necessarily maybe uh, the most like fascinating personality per se, but you know, just using him as the avatar to get a glimpse of the rest of the team and then just kind of get an idea of his career just because he's done the same thing for so long. So I would say Ursan if we were doing the non Giannis category. I would watch the Ursan one. I would watch it just to figure out who taught him the weird step back shot that he did. Where did he learn that? How did he learn that? <laughs> what was he like? Did he go like Batman style, like into uh, like into the mountains for months to ter- teach mm-hmm. himself that? It was crazy, guys. I love. I love. Who that. taught okay. him all the charges and perfected yeah. that art? That would be my follow up question. <laughs> Next one. Uh, let me set the scene. Okay, you uh, just cooked some hot dogs. Do you put ketchup or mustard on them? <laughs> ketchup. Both. Wow. Okay. But if you had to choose one or the other, if you had to choose. If I had to choose for a hot dog, probably ketchup. If it was broads, I'd do mustard. Now, are, are you guys are you guys condiment people? Other condiments like, are, are you, I mean, little kutramans? Do you put little onions on? Do you, are you guys sauerkraut people? Or are you just like you just like squirt that ketchup on and then you're good? I could do sauerkraut. That be that's it. I do a little bit of everything. So I don't like a traditional Chicago style necessarily, but I I appreciate the theory where you're just tossing a whole bunch of crud on it. So you know, a little bit of relish, onions. I'm okay with like a pickle, ketchup, mustard. Uh, the sesame seed bun. I like tossing a bunch of things. I got no problem with covered. Not do I have like particular favorites? Not necessarily, but if you put a whole bunch in front of me, a whole bunch is going on. Okay. 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 All right. Next one. Um, did did were did you have any superlatives in your uh, senior year yearbook? Like, did you receive any superlatives? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I don't think so for me either. I think. No, not really. I wasn't noteworthy in high school, which is okay. That's nothing wrong with being not noteworthy in high school. But uh, I don't remember anything being like, this guy is known for this or he will do this, which is okay by me. Okay. What would your number be if you were on the Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, It's really lame. I think for a lot of people, their favorite number is obviously the day they were born. So uh, my number would be 13, which is lucky and unlucky. I think I think it counteracts it because I was born on a 13th day. Uh, I counteract the general unluckiness of 13. So I would go with 13. Well, I was gonna say, I think so my number in high school was 32. But that is currently retired in Milwaukee. So I think I'd go. Oh wait, so it's fourteen. I I'd probably go thirty-two because that was the number I had in high school for basketball. I like it. I think I do like uh, some number that maybe as few people as ever would wear it. So I could be as like one of the best bucks ever to wear this uh, when they do the jersey thing. I think I'd be like fifty-three or something. Like no mm. one would ever. Hopefully, no one would ever wear that. So I'd probably <laughs> be that. All right, last one. Uh, so during the quarantine, is there any like things you've been able to get to do or like something you've always wanted to do or like anything like sort of like bright spots that you've been able to make out of this more time at home? Uh, I've been able to more closely look at the all-star rosters from this past year to do a theoretical draft to figure out, (laughs) just kidding. Uh, no, one thing that I have started doing a little bit is I've been doing some sketching. 
uh, which sounds somewhat lame, but I think we're all trying to figure out what best to do in these times. So I've got a like kit from our local Michaels, which is just like a spiral bound sketching paper and like 10 pencils of different, differing like lead strength or uh, like uh, what's the word on the firmness, I think is the correct term. So I've been kind of doing that a little bit. I suck obviously, but I've been doing that a little bit. So I just tried to find what's some like artistic crafty thing I could do that sounds somewhat interesting. And that's what I fall on. Yeah. I would say the nice thing about the quarantine is the amount of time I've gotten to spend with my kid. Um, especially with missing kind of the first three months just with work and everything. And now being home all the time, kind of just seeing how much larger he's growing and how much more awake he is. So I would say that's been nice, but baking would probably be my thing. Um, I kind of got into it last fall and then kind of took, and then took a break just because of the, because of my son being born. So I didn't really have time and energy to do it, but I've gotten back into it now. So I did some oatmeal and oatmeal raisin cookies last week, mm-hmm. which turned out pretty well. Did a banana bread as well. So I think it's going to be, I want to get to the point where I'll do a bread, but I need to get more confidence and get it more comfortable before I get to it. So baking would probably be my thing. I love it, guys. Brings a tear to my eye. That's so happy. <laughs> Have you picked up anything, Adam? I finally started reading again. I've just been like, uh, I've been that butthole who like every year is like New Year's resolution. I'm going to start reading again. 75 books is your baby book. Yeah. It. <laughs> it it. And I would, I, I would kind of read it and I'd be like, wow, well, I also have my phone, you know, there's also mm-hmm. TV. So I finally like was like, have been able to start reading again and like actually sit down and find reading to be enjoyable. So that has been fun for me. Anything in particular that you, you don't have to go too deep into it, but is there something you're currently reading or did read that you found compelling? Um, do you guys, you guys know the, the Dune science fiction series? Yes. You heard about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I read it when I was younger um, and it was it's, it, the, one of the most incomprehensible books I ever read mm-hmm. as a middle schooler. Um, so I'm reading it as an adult and finding it actually to be quite, quite enjoyable, quite intellectually stimulating. Um, and uh, I, I really wanted to revisit it before the movie that's supposed to come out later this year. So I'm, I'm excited well, for that. You're going to have time because I'm guessing that movie's going to get delayed. So no. <laughs> <on that>. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Makes me really sad, but that's okay. So, um, hey, Anna, sorry, I, did not, I just saw his comment. So what's up, NS? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, man, we got tons of, tons of watchers in right now, tons of viewers in. It's a huge streaming week. StreamYard did <laughs> message say they might have to set, shut us down. Um, okay. <laughs> hey, speaking of movies, Kyle, you have several, you said you have several film reviews ready for us, I think. Yeah, so with the <laughs> break from last week, it gave me more time, obviously, to watch movies, but I, so I was sitting watching two rom-coms with Emma. The first one we watched was The Imagination of Lying, which I, I have no clue if you guys know about that one. I think it was like a two, it was like a two, like mid to late 2000s, I want to say. It had Ricky Gervais, um, Jennifer Garner, I think, was in it. Uh, Rob Lowe, he was in it. And it's pretty much like this society in which you just say whatever's in your mind. Like, lying is not a thing. You just say you, everything you say is brutally honest. So it's kind of funny in one aspect where it's like, I'm not attracted to this guy. I don't know if I'll go out on a second date. And, like, they'll even say it like they're texting their parents and they'll just, like, say their thought out loud. So kind of how that worked. And then... The main character kind of he works in a they like make movies based off of a time period. So he has the 13th century, which is 
ironically, the plague. So he has, so then he gets fired from that. Kind of down on his luck, runs out of money. Then he kind of like makes up a lie how much money he has in his bank account and kind of just snowballs from there. He kind of realizes that he can tell whatever story he wants and everyone's going to believe him because no one, lying is not a thing. There's no such thing. But then his mom is dying. So then he tells his mom about this, like, kind of like makes fun of religion. Because then he tells her, like, oh, yeah, there's just, like, this place with the man in the sky and, like, all this stuff. And everyone's like, how do you know about this? And he talks about it. So it's kind of poking fun at religion, just saying, like, he makes his own Ten Commandments and stuff like that. And how far he goes with the lie to try and win over Jennifer Gardner. So it was a solid movie. You know, we watch it on, like, a Sunday afternoon. I'd probably give it a five and a half, six. Kind of predictable. Okay. Had his moments of comedy though so yeah that was the first movie then the second rom-com we watched and i think it was later that night or maybe the day after um it was called the wedding year and that one had one of the main characters from modern family sarah highland that's the one it had her and tyler james williams who most notably was young chris rock and everyone hates chris and they start dating, but they end up going to like seven weddings in a year, which, good lord, that's a lot of weddings. I have been close to doing that, but seven weddings is a lot. Just trying to discover this was a relationship just because they're 20 somethings that don't know what they're going to do with their life. And they have these dreams and they live in LA, so they're broke. And it was all right. It was kind of hard to sympathize with the main characters just because it's like, this doesn't seem realistic. Like, as crappy as your personality is, I don't think there's an actual... It's very hard to see an actual human function that, that way. So that was... It was solid. That one, I'd give a five. Easy, good background music, but wouldn't watch again. And then last week, this is the big one. It was Parasite. Finally got around to watching it. If you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. Um, It is... I didn't know what to expect from it just because I kind of knew like the general gist of like it being about class warfare more or less, but the extent that the class warfare kind of goes into and like how the poor family in their situation, how they get into the living in the rich people's lives and getting involved in rich people's lives. And just like, especially in Korea, just how that dynamic works. And I mean, it's not just Korea, it's everywhere in the world, but it was very noticeable just like how someone can smell. It's like an indication of if they're poor or not, like how they smell, how they act. I mean, the rich family got duped really easily, which was kind of funny just because it was like the whole scheme, it shouldn't work. And like a smarter human would have caught onto it right away, but it just started like that. And then as things got more and more dark and twisted and it was, it was a really good movie. In which, like, it gets to the end, and I'm going to try not to spoil it, just because if you have a chance, and if you have a Hulu subscription, I'd recommend watching it. Uh, just, like, how the main plot turns halfway through the movie, and you then you think, okay, this plot's going to get resolved, and then it'll be fine. It's like, nope, it just continues going. There's a couple more plot twists at the end. So, it was a very intriguing movie. I can see why it's gotten the high reviews that it did. I really enjoyed it. Reading all the subtitles didn't bother me. I mean, it was like very quick and easy to read, and you kind of understand what's going on anyway. Um, so I would give that a nine out of ten. It was a really, it was a really good movie. 
if you are a rich person, I would not love that movie just because <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it, does, it definitely doesn't paint the rich in a good light, which I don't, which I think is well deserved and fair. But mm-hmm. yeah, just the just the dynamics of it all was interesting. Would you say? And I don't watch movies at all, so I can't say one way or the other. Was the Oscars? Is that what it won? Did it win Best Picture at the Oscars? Yeah. So I don't know if you saw any of the other ones, but would you say it compared to the other any of the other films? Was it a Oscar deserving? Film, I mean, I nine out so. of ten is pretty high. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like just based on some of the other movies that have won best film at the Oscars, Parasite is definitely up there. Yeah. So, I would, yeah, I would say it was a deserved winner. If it was in English, I don't think anyone would have. Like, I think people's main complaint was that you had the it was in Korea and you had to read the subtitles. Which how dare they? How dare they? Whatever. I mean, there was a whole movie. I think it was like the artist or something that like was in black and white and I don't even think had any words. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's long. I will say that. So if you have about three hours to spare, go definitely it. recommended. Parasite. Okay. I like cool. Parasite as well. It was good. It's a fine film yeah. uh, for that. And that's why I won't get on the back of the box. And, but Kyle will, as I just said, fine film. Kyle, nine out of ten. <laughs> if you're rich, if you're rich, you probably get a, lo- a lot more. <laughs> uh, hey, thirteen, fourteen bucks has a question. What is everyone's favorite band? So I'm going to modify it slightly because I feel like no one can ever just say one. So like, if you just have a couple bands, I think it'll give like an idea of your musical taste, which might be kind of fun. Uh, uh, Kyle, I'm trying to think. I can go, go ahead first then. My, so are we talking uh, my like favorite... bands, bands, or just like musicians in general? Musicians in general, either. yeah. Okay. Yeah, just musical artist. I would say my favorite band is a 90s grunge band called Soundgarden. I don't know if you've probably heard maybe a song or two of theirs, which <laughs> their more popular ones aren't necessarily my favorite ones, but uh, Chris Cornell was an amazing singer. Uh, I kind of discovered him through his second project, Audio Slave, which are also really good. Um, I kind of found them in my like angsty teen years, so it was perfect, you know, match made in heaven, but they're uh, super awesome, just straightforward, not really all that straightforward. You know, they blended a little bit of metal, a little bit of hard rock, all into like what became alternative rock eventually, but I think probably the best iteration of it. So every single song of theirs, I know damn near every word to all of them, whether it be the EPs, the old like B-sides, whatever it is. I, I just love everything they do from top to bottom. So they're my favorite band by far. I would say my favorite musician is Childish Gambino. Um, that's easy, aka Donald Glover. Um, just the music that he had, and it's kind of similar to Riley, where it's like, especially in the angsty teen years for me, it was more like late high school, early college, when I didn't really know who I was as a person and like couldn't really relate to a lot of people. But Donald Glover seemed like one of the few people that I could, and like his music kind of spoke to that, especially like his early rap albums. Then as he's progressed as a musician, where he's shifting from rap to more like an R&B to more like funk. So just like seeing his progression as a musician has been one of the coolest things that I've been able to see. Um, so he's probably my favorite. Other groups I like. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big Adele fan. I'm not a shit. That's she can sing. Holy hell. Like, it's great. Um, I was a big fan of the big of the Beatles. 
um, growing up, my like the babysitter that my parents had for me, she was a big Beatles fan, so she would just constantly play Beatles music. Um, so I kind of just grew to like them a lot. Otherwise, Bob Marley, Kendrick Lamar. I don't really have a 90, like I don't have a rock band though. That's kind of the weird part. Like I, I don't mind rock music. Like it's, I'll listen to it. It's just, I don't have a favorite. It's not that good of a genre much these days, in my opinion. So it's okay with going with older stuff for the most part, and even the Beatles. And also because the internet, that's an awesome album. That was the, it's really that's the only my favorite it, album of his. Is his first album camp? Is that the name of the first album? Or I can't yeah, his it. first album with the record label was Camp. Yeah, so I listened to that Which one. I think That's has pretty some good of his best too. songs, but yeah, but because the internet from top to bottom, everything on that is really good. So I would second uh, if you're looking for a childish Gambino. It's it's a little like artsy in its own way, and there's a lot of like backstory to it that you can find elsewhere on the internet. But it's just from top to bottom, yeah. straightforward. Like it's a really good album. So Adam, you? Yeah, I like. Um... So ch- churches is like one of my favorite bands. Uh, churches spelled with a V. They're like a synth pop group out of Scotland. They're pretty freaking awesome. Um, let's see. Beyond that, I like this band, uh, The War on Drugs. They're kind of like a rock, a rock band, but he uses kind of some synth pedal stuff in there too. He's like probably my favorite person I've ever seen live. He just like had like twenty pedals in front of him and it's like he's just like playing three different guitars and like pedaling all over and doing all this weird crazy stuff. I don't know. It's really cool. So I like him in terms of rock. And then um I like uh Phoebe Bridgers, uh who's this kind of folk indie rock artist. Uh everything she sings is like some of the most sad stuff I've ever heard. So <laughs> if you're if you're looking for something upbeat, definitely don't listen to her, but she's really, really good. Um, and then in terms of pop, I really like Carly Rae Jepsen. Unironically, I got her dedicated, uh, oh, here it is, a dedicated uh, tour shirt on right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's, she's fantastic. I, I'm not a huge fan of her first album, uh, Kiss. It's, it's fine, but uh, Emotion really is one of the, uh, the uh, seminal pop albums, I think, of the last decade. It's fantastic. I, you can listen from top to bottom. One of the best car, car albums you can listen to at all, so. I, I love Carly Rae Jepsen. If anyone is willing to to dabble in it and avoid the um, uh, being made fun of every time you say you like Carly Rae Jepsen and uh, being mm-hmm. having people say, "Oh, call me maybe," is she still a thing? Uh, she's a fun artist to like. So, my follow up question to both of you guys, and this is something that I struggle with. How do you go about finding new music? Uh, do you end up using like a Spotify and letting it suggest it for you? Do you generally use like friends suggestions? Because I've struggled at like my finding Soundgarden and other bands. It was like a total accident. Like I heard one song and I was like, and I think this is a way for a lot of people. But then you're like, oh, I'll listen to a couple of their other songs and those are good too. And then you kind of go off. But is there a preferred route that you go about finding new music? Mine's kind of changed because before it would be like, Especially with Scrubs, they would, Scrubs would have like a song, and that's actually how I heard about Audio Slave because they had a song on an episode of Scrubs that was really good. I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" And then you listen to that. So like different like TV shows or movies, and then also like video games like NBA Two K and FIFA and Madden always seem to have like a variety of music. Um, yep. So when I was really into those, that's kind of how I found new music. Lately, though, it's just been, I would say, friend like like stuff that other people play or I'll just kind of stumble upon it. Cause like, there'll definitely be some like alternative music that Emma listens to that I'll hear. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. 
and there'll be some like rap or grime over Britain that I'll listen to that Emma will pick up on. So I think it's just more like what other people are listening to now compared to before it was like TV and video games. Yeah, I'll dabble with like the Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify. I, I find it ends up just pulling up a lot of songs that I already know and have listened to, which is cool. I mean, like, yeah, I, I guess I can discover them again. Um, I go on, I use Pitchfork quite a bit. Um, I'm that asshole, but, uh, you know, I don't know. They, they always like, they always have new, I don't know. They always are able to find some new artists that I haven't really heard of, which I appreciate. I'll just like, if they happen to give an album, best new album, I'll, I'll check it out sometimes. Um most of the time it's just like some metal crappy thing that I don't want to listen to at all, which is fine. Good for you, Pitchfork. But like, um, yeah. they just gave out a perfect score to someone, I think. Like, yeah, they gave it to Fiona Apple's album, which is cool. I like Fiona Apple. Uh, I gave the album one listen on Friday. I was hungover and uh, it was the last <laughs> thing I wanted to listen to because her album was like, <laughs> her album was like, it's like made with dogs. She like made it in her own house, like pounding, like a, like a using like rhythmic stuff as like, ancient like pounded on your fist using like hitting hammers together or something i was like this is the last thing i need to listen to <laughs> right now while my head is pounding okay so How good you for you on friday <laughs> it was my birthday last thursday and oh, yeah, that's, that's right. all i have to say yeah. Yeah. that's uh, fair that's fair <laughs> i was thinking about that i was like it was a friday like i definitely consume more alcohol in this like pandemic but <laughs> Thursdays go hard, man. Even even <laughs> now in the pandemic, you got to go hard on your average Thursday. Uh, so yeah, so that's how I find new music usually. Okay, okay. cool, sweet. Uh, all right, hey, we've got a, a new segment here: home cooking. <laughs> Riley Wade shawarma. So wait, okay, do you did you make shawarma at home? Yes. So how did it turn out? Well, so here's the thing, right? So obviously for anybody who's listened 47 minutes in, apologies that literally five seconds of this was basketball content, but we're just, we're filling the airwaves right now. So it is what it is at this point. So I've been trying ever since. So my fiance, she worked at the YMCA and she ended up having to work late every night. And so I ended up doing a lot of the cooking, which is all good. And I've gotten a lot better than I used to be. I used to like struggle with even like grilled cheese sandwiches, you know, so <laughs> I've come a long way. And so I found this recipe for shawarma. I have no idea if it's like legit. It probably isn't. It literally was just like stab the chicken a lot and then put it in a bag with like yogurt, garlic, lemon juice, uh, and then a bunch of spices like cinnamon, uh, cloves, uh, nutmeg, a whole bunch of things, then let that sit overnight. Um, so it's like, what is proper shawarma? I don't know. It probably wasn't actually, but that was the recipe it gave me. Uh, I don't have a grill, so I ended up doing it on a pan on the stove and then just using some naan bread and then making like a homemade tzatziki with like dill and yogurt and all that sort of stuff. Turned out really well. Um, and I would want to try actual shawarma either during the pandemic or once this is all over to compare. But I would say based on it when when you open it it's like wow that smells a lot like cinnamon like this is just going to be straight up cinnamon chicken on a on a pita <laughs> essentially it turned out better than that thankfully like it cooked off enough during the actual like cooking on the stove but uh if you find a shawarma recipe don't be intimidated by the spices like i was i was like oh i'm really nervous if you make the tzatziki or whatever sauce alongside of it properly, that'll cut against it. And then you'll kind of have a nice balance. So I was a fan. It turned out really well. And yes, I did make it homemade, but if it was legit, that's an open question. Wow. Yeah. I love Indian food. But I've never 
went with shawarma just because every time I go, I always just end up getting a tikka masala. <laughs> whether it's, good it's stuff, like though. whether it's like yeah, lamb or pork or chicken, it's just tikka masala seems to be the main go-to. But shawarma, I definitely want to try at some point. I think one of the challenges and one of the opportunities about the pandemic that we're going through right now is it's an opportunity for a lot of people to potentially change, either change their diets or try things that they might not have before. So I've, I've gotten really used to trying new recipes all the time. Um, we're making a push now, whether it's forced upon you or otherwise based on like shortages at your grocery store, be like, okay, we'll do a little bit more vegetarian things this week. And I've been working to try and like build the recipe book together, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I've taken this and I think probably a lot of other people are as well as a chance to like either work on cooking, try new things, you know, whatever it is. So I think there's, if you were looking for other, uh, you know, silver linings in the whole pandemic, I think that would be one that I would personally point to on know about others. Yeah. It's definitely tough when you put in a grocery order and it's not ready for like five <laughs> days out and then you get like close to that fifth day and you're running out of food. It's like, okay, we got to throw something together. <laughs> What do we have in the pantry? Okay, we got yeah. yeah, we'll make something with this. I love you branching out, Riley. Maybe I'll try shawarma soon. I was going to make something with pitas tonight, but I don't know if I have time to marinate it in time. But maybe I'll do shawarma yeah. later. We can... It did say marinate four to 24 hours. We did closer to the 24, just because generally when I've tried marinating things for like two hours, I'm like, it could use more work. A longer marination time is always uh, critical, so. Yeah. Well, moving on from the shawarma segment, uh, we have uh, something that Kyle has prepared for us. It is in relation to, <laughs> I'll just let him say it. All right. How do I first? Let's just say this is not for everybody. This is only for a small minority of people that is getting way too much attention lately. Like yeah. I am talking about the idiots over in Brookfield yesterday. I am talking about ESPN Homer. I am talking about Chuck Friedman. I'm talking about anyone that thinks this whole coronavirus is a hoax. And all I want to tell you all is stay home and shut the hell up. It's If it was safe to be out in the public, we'd be out in the public. No one's arguing. No one wants to be staying at home, but we have to do it. We have to do it for the greater good of the community. The biggest reason is we don't want to spread this virus because there's plenty of times where you might be carrying it that you're not aware of and you might give it to someone else. And all that's going to do is infect more people and worse, it's going to overwhelm our health care, which is already overworked as it is. I just don't get why people can't put that core concept together and then they're going to sit at home and complain about, oh, I can't go golfing. Golfing is not a need. Golfing is on the Maslow hierarchy of needs. It is a basic want. But of course, the same group of people like Chuck, like Homer, like these people in Brookfield, they're not used to having things not available to them. They're not used to getting what they want. So unfortunately, for once in their life, they're not getting what they want. And now they're bitching and moaning about it. And they just need to realize that within their little privileged bubble, like there is a whole world where there are people dying. There are people getting sick. There are people putting their lives at risk to try and contain this as much as possible. I would love to be able to go to a bar, watch soccer, and hang out with all my friends. I would love to take my son to see his grandparents and that they can hold him for the first time in two months. But we can't. That's just the way it is. I have to, I'm going to stay at home so that way 
we can make this be more of a reality sooner rather than later. And the longer that you keep going outside and the longer that you keep doing these stupid ass protests, the longer the stay at home order is going to be. I understand it's not great for the economy. I understand there's definitely a flaw to all of it, but at the same time, going with the mindset of people need to die in order for our economy to bounce back makes absolutely no sense to me. And honestly, you keep telling people like me, you need to follow the law. And even when people like me follow the law, we still end up getting shot. And yet you hear you are blatantly disregarding the law. It's just mind blowing. It's idiotic. And I would love to tell these people in this hypocritical group that if you can't at least do it for the greater good of the community, do it for your own selfish ass self or for someone you care about. Because if that person that you care about or yourself gets sick, you better damn well hope that there is still a bed and ventilator available to you because what your actions, what you're constantly bitching and moaning about not being able to go out and do stuff, all that's going to do is make it so that if you do need that situation, it's not going to be available. And then you're going to blame the hospital. Then you're going to blame the healthcare workers. Then you're going to blame the governor. You're going to blame everyone else besides yourself. So Chuck, Homer, people in Brookfield, people in Austin, Trump idiots, all of you, this pandemic is not great. Stay the hell at home. And for once, realize that this isn't just about you. And that's why we are all staying at home. I'm done. It's pretty strong. That was good. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciated it. I, I think I, I've just gotten sick of it. I I agree with all the takes, Kyle. I think this was always going to be the difficulty with this whole process of flattening the curve or whatever terminology you want to use is, you know, we haven't seen the like worst case scenario. So everyone's like, dude, I told you it was BS, bro. Come on. Like the, the, the issue was always going to be if it worked, then everybody's going to point back and be like, see, we overreacted. And like I said earlier, I, I think e- part of the issue, it's, it's twofold, right? One, yes, obviously all the uh, fallout economically and everything is not great, but more so we're, we're still in that weird midpoint right now where we're too deep in to give up now because then you might see a surge. We haven't gotten to a point where we're really curbing it, you know, to the point where we can go back out. And then two, nobody either here or anywhere else around the world has come up with a real viable plan to be like, here's how we're going to get out of this. I would suggest to people that probably just wholesale quitting social distancing is not going to be the way we get out of this, but because nobody's really articulating besides, you know, the more extreme positions of either have to stay in completely and we have no real way out or just open it up all the way. That's the, I think that's the conundrum. Now, obviously, people who were obviously yesterday at Brookfield, I think they were trying to get Barnes and Noble to open up again. So I understand where they're coming from there. You know, <laughs> I want Barnes and Noble to open up as well. However, they really wanted Fleming's to open up as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, maybe that's a little bit too far on the outside of the norm, but I think it's, it is a question that whether it be for us talking about the NBA or other people just on their day-to-day lives, it's a conversation worth having, except there's a logical way to have it and a way to acknowledge the fact that our reality and the way that we're going to be able to move forward, no matter what we do, is going to be artific- like really um, really shifted in a way, in a meaningful way for a long time until, like, like we said before, a vaccine or something like that comes out. And unfortunately, those with a platform or those who might have, be a little more, not small-minded per se, but maybe thinking more so of themselves or what their own personal interests are, just have a platform that they're putting it out there and it, it doesn't look good for them. So 
No, it doesn't. Yeah. And I, I, if, you, if you have someone well, in your the life... Well, the worst part is, yeah, like sorry, in Wisconsin... Go ahead. I was going to say, with Wisconsin, we just had an election where the largest city in the state only had five polling places. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be another spike because there were still thousands of people that were out risking their lives because they want, they had they felt like they had the right to vote and they needed to vote. And there's only five polling places. So you're seeing lines that would go hours long. There's going to be another spike. There's already going to be another spike happening, at least in the Milwaukee area. So it's not even that we're out of the woods yet because we're not out of the woods. We're probably going to hit another peak relatively soon. And all the people that were out at the elections are going to be at risk. So it's just, I don't know. Like, and then you're going to complain about, okay, we want to golf. Fine. Evers gives the go ahead to golf. Well, now we need to have cards. <laughs> that was pretty okay, funny. That no. was a good, yeah. It was like, no, you don't need cards. Just walk. Take your lazy ass and walk. And then it's going to be, well, you got to open the clubhouse and you got to have, you know, the bar cart girl that you can sexually harass and she's only 17 and trying to do a summer job. Like, it's just like, you're just going to create more whatabouts, 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 and you're never going to be satisfied. So it's just like, at this point, just shut the hell up. <laughs> Can't say it much better myself. All I would say is if you do, if you do have someone in your life, like, I mean, these people on these platforms, like, you know, whatever, they have a large platform. They've gotten to where they are because they've stuck their heels in so far that they're, you know, they're going to be six feet under soon because they're going to be out with the COVID patients and that's fine. Um, but what I, you know, if you have someone in your life, who's like, I don't think this is that serious. You know, we don't need to do social distancing. Just try, try and talk with them. Like, try and see if you can change their mind. Like, it's it's important. Like, give them all these things. Maybe you won't, but, like, it's worth a try. It's every single person that you can change and, you know, convince that this is something we all really need to stick to will make a difference. That's why we're all doing the kind of things that we're doing and make our, our own sacrifices. So hopefully you can convince other people to do it. Um, I mean, I get mad i had a you know if i if i hear any of my friends going out and doing something i think is unnecessary i tell them well screw you my wife is a nurse you want to go visit her in the hospital like f off okay like this is really serious so you know if you have people in your life just try and like talk with them about it um i feel like these people are going to do what they're going to do it's really annoying it's really frustrating um probably is a smaller segment of the population than it seems which is why i try and avoid twitter now because it just makes my mind get exploded so um yeah, I don't know. That's all, that's what I would say. It's difficult. The whole situation is difficult. It's reasonable to have conversations about what we might do next, what these mm-hmm. next couple of months looks like. Um, but there's while you're doing that, there's a reasonable and societally or socially acceptable or responsible way to go about your day-to-day activities and while we try to figure things out. So just everyone, yeah. take it easy. Take it easy. Stay inside for a little while longer. We, we know it sucks, obviously. Just yeah. sit out on your deck. It's nice. Out- it's starting to get nice outside. <laughs> if you want to work on your trash ass golf game, get your clubs and just chip a couple in your backyard. All right. There's our plug for, for social distancing for the day. <laughs> a little more of a, a little stronger than usual, but worthwhile. Thank you, Kyle, for preparing that. That was good. All right. It's time for Vulture Talk, Riley. I don't have the thing queued up, so we're just going to do it. That's all right. Uh, it's really strange, and I think it's notable the fact that even in the midst of the largest pandemic in over a hundred years, we're still got people coming out the woodwork, just flocking, <laughs> just flocking these buzzards. So I got two this week. Uh, so it's our good friends, the Warriors. 
Of course. They're, I mean, how thirsty can you get? We're going to push the limits of that. We're going to see where the boundary is. And the Mavs as well. So our, our two stories, you know, they'll be on tomorrow's Monday Morning Media Roundup, or if you're listening to this on Monday, it's on today's Monday Morning Media Roundup. The one for the Mavs was from our sister sites, Mavs Moneyball. Um, it was literally just the the writer saying, is the is the Bucks misfortune the Dallas Mavericks gain? And the entire article is, we have no idea if he'll come to Dallas, but we have these two Euro guys and Giannis likes European dudes, we think maybe. So maybe he'll come here. And that's literally, that was it. That was the article. <laughs> they pushed that. So we have that going, right? Then for the Warriors, and I think this is a function of the fact that every media company and their sister sports media company pushed all their resources to Oakland slash San Francisco when the Warriors thing was happening. Their misfortune that they have 7,000 employees there and the team is god awful. So there was a round table for the NBC Sports, I'm guessing their local affiliate, and it was four media members talking about there's a chance that Giannis could come here. And their evidence was um, he's named Steph as his favorite current NBA player twice. And also that if the Bucks didn't make the finals, then maybe he would leave. So that was the evidence. That <laughs> okay. So, so really the vulture talk, it exists. It's in a very uh, weakened state right now because there's no evidence really to go off of besides wild speculation, but there it is. That's what we got going on. Uh, remember when the <laughs> yeah. fans were like really excited to try and be in first place for Vulture Talk? <laughs> I, I think the Warriors are starting to run away with the competition, run away from the competition. I think for me, I mean, it's difficult because like I obviously if you're a Bucks fan, you have no real basis upon which to ever hope that you would get a meaningful free agent that wasn't OJ Mayo. Um, and so when you're going from that perspective, even the fake, like, uh, AD to MKE tweets, is like, this is just gross. Like, why am I tweeting this? <laughs> why, am I, why am I tweeting this out right now? But it's like these, these other fan bases, even Dallas, who has zero track record of anything of note when it comes to free agents, they, they have this newfound, uh, you know, pride or newfound, like swagger, how they're a free agent destination, which, I don't know where that's coming from. So I, I guess I just don't understand the psychology of it. You get KD on a fluke once, and then, you know, if he, he turncoats on you and <laughs> bolts for Brooklyn, and it's like, okay, we're cool, next one up. Uh, so I don't really understand the um, the mindset behind it, but I guess well, I say, okay. There's only two franchises that I would say legitimately attract, like, attract and get free agents, and that's the Lakers and the Miami Heat. That's like the only two teams I can think of that like in recent history, they can mm -hmm. get the free agents they want, or at least they've been able to show they have a back. They can back up their claim of we are a free agent destination. If the yeah, Knicks I mean, were competent, maybe them. Yeah. If I was excited were. when the Bucks got Greg Monroe though. I got to say, mm -hmm. I mean, I was like, we're a free agent destination now, baby. <laughs> I was working that summer. I was working as a janitor at my local high school. And I remember when the news came across the wire, we were all gathered, like all, all us high school slash, uh, I think there were a couple of college guys. We were just, dude, this is it. We're changing. The franchise has changed. <laughs> we're going to the finals. <laughs> we talk about they're going to win 50 games after that. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't work out in the way that we thought, but I think it was, I it was still a beautiful, 
it was a beautiful thing because it still signaled like a slight shift, even though it was just Greg Monroe and it didn't work out. Uh, the fact that a bigger name, big ish name free agent, at least for that class chose to come Milwaukee was pretty cool, especially over, I think it was like, wasn't the Knicks in the Lakers? I think that, or I can't remember who the third team I think was, the, Knicks the Knicks were for sure one of the teams. And there was another I think team. That's what it was funny. We were like, yeah, we beat the Knicks for a free agent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. even though they've been god awful for decades now. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Greg Monroe. We hope you're killing it over in Germany still. You're a favorite. Thank you, Riley. Vulture talk. It's good to get some b-ball talk on there. Now we've had enough of it, so it's time for your fountain pen review. Yes, I apologize two weeks ago for not having mine ready. So this week, uh, again, we'll have to see if you're able to see all that well. So I have my diplomat traveler this week. Uh, this is the smallest pen that I have. Um, it's a all steel body, uh, diplomat is a German maker. Uh, what's you can really, you can kind of see on these ones, they're unique in that they fire blast, uh, each, every single one of them. So they all have like, you know, you can see where the metal kind of different coloration based on how long it was in the fire for, um, I'll pop it here real small. I mean, it's, it's tiny comparatively when it's just in your hand. I mean, it barely even shoots out the back. Part of the difficulty with it is you can't post the cap all that well, which for smaller pens like this is usually critical to help balance it out based on its weight and length and everything. Um, but, it, you know, interesting a lo- enough, I would say this might be my favorite pen out of the bunch that I have. Uh, it was the second pen that I got. It's kind of still on the cheaper-ish tier. Um, I mean, none of them are all that cheap, but this is still cheaper. The nib on this, on the medium beautiful. It's gorgeous. It doesn't matter the ink that I have in there. Um, you know, generally gold nibs are a little bit smoother, a little bit silkier of a writer, but for something like this, for a steel nib, um, mediums also in a German manufacturer tend to run a little bit wider, but I think this is the perfect, perfect width for my writing. Um, I don't have big hands, which sometimes can be a difficulty for people who use smaller pens like this. Um, but yeah, I would, if you're looking for something mid tier ish, you know, not too expensive. It's, it's unique. It's high quality. I would definitely suggest going for this. I like the fire blasted. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I definitely fell for it when I was like, Oh dude, everything, every single pen's unique. That's so cool. Like mine's going to be totally different from others. And maybe if I could repurchase it, I'd probably go for like one of the base black or something. But if it's your first pen, you want something that's really unique. Maybe I would suggest maybe doing the fire blast. And I mean, it's cool when you match, you have a bunch of different colors and inks you can go with it too. So, yeah. I love it. Glad to have it back. Thank you, Riley. No problem. All right, guys, let's close it out with our, uh, we never did this last week. So let's close it out with what would have been the last two games of the Bucks season. All right. If I remember correctly, we were riding high after a really strong week. Um, yeah. And uh, we're closing out with really tough games. It's a Sunday home versus Atlanta. And then uh, I forget Tuesday or Wednesday um, at Brooklyn. So here we go. The last home game of the season against Atlanta is. I didn't get your guys' predictions. Wait, what'd you guys say? Oh, 2 0. I think so. I'm going to go 0 2, but that's because we're going to do the Bonzi Colson slash Tim Frazier games. Part two, so it's going to be the Frank Mason, Cam Reynolds, and DJ Wilson games. Those guys are going forty-eight plus in each of those. So I think we're going to lose, but only because it's a giant meme at this point because it's the final two games of the year. No, Jeez. this is when Robin Lopez shines two and zero. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Twenty twenty games. Here we go. <laughs> One twelve ninety five. Bucks. 
I know you guys weren't expecting that, but it's uh, yeah. a pretty, pretty solid win for the Bucks here. Um, I'm just taking a look at the box score, pulled it down here. Giannis did play in this one. Um, it wasn't as you predicted, Riley. I don't know if NBA Game Sim can do that, but uh, apparently, 20 does believe in bowl management. Yeah, 20, <laughs> 23 for Giannis, 17 for Chris, 16 for Eric. So, pretty traditional in that sense. Pat Connaughton had 10 points in this one. He feels like he's been pretty quiet. Thanasis did score two points. I wanted to mention that. DJ Wilson didn't get in the game. Um, <laughs> neither did no. Kyle Korver or Sterling Brown. So, yeah, kind of a whole, kind of just, you know, a pretty classic like Sunday home win, but sent the crowd out in a good way. So, okay. The last game of the season, guys. Last time we'll uh, ever be able to do this. Here we go with the Nets. Wow. I hope they go. I hope they go off for seventy percent from three because we need this season. Right <laughs> One hundred and three to eighty-two bucks win. Okay, really solid victory. So twenty percent shooting up from the other team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so the Nets. If we're looking at that overall, twenty-three percent from three, seven of three. <laughs> <Yeah>. Very classic <laughs> performance by them. Um, got to the free throw line twenty-three times. The Nets shoot. 35% overall, so a tough game, I would say, for them. Not great. Yeah. Bucks shoot just 25% from three, 10 of 39. Um, but Actually seems realistic. <laughs> not a great game for them, but George Hill goes off for 20 points. So a really solid game for him. He leads the team. Giannis, 19. Eric, 14. Never, you, you wouldn't guess it, but uh, Chris, only 11. Quiet night for him to close out the season. Only takes eight field goal attempts in, yep. uh, in a very traditional Chris sense. Uh, Robin and Brooke combined for 17. And, um, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so in this one, they decided that Pat Connaughton and Wesley Matthews didn't score. But uh, DJ, Dante, uh, Thanasis all, all scored. So I They combined for 50 in the final <laughs> all right. second half. So, guys – I think the, the season comes out. close. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sad, but uh, they really had a pretty – the first simulation week was a little rocky, but I feel like since then they kind of came back. I would agree. I think, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I would say it was necessarily the most accurate sim out there, but for in a pinch, in a pinch, I would say it was a beautiful thing. We're glad we had this ride with NBA sim, and I pray to God we don't have to do this once we start like regular season in the fall and we have to just do all eighty two next year. Crossing my fingers that's not the case, but uh we appreciate it. Thank you, NBA Sim. Kyle, can you, just, Kyle can you just can you can you take us out and just give us the final narratives then for the regular season? Just mm-hmm. give us the the breadth of the Eastern Conference here. Yeah. All right. So Bucks clinch a one seed. They're rolling, still overlooked. They're going to take on the Magic, crush them. Not, it's going to be a four-game sweep. There's one game where Orlando threatens because Terrence Ross still a Bucks killer, so he obviously <laughs> has to get 45 points in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Bucks still win. However, Boston really gets that second seed. ESPN's really loving Boston to get out of the East. Think it's going to be a 4-4-6. They're going to win four. Actually, no, sorry. Win in four, win in six, win in six to get to the finals take on the Lakers, ratings go through the roof. ESPN's <laughs> loving this. They already got the next documentary ready. Toronto feels disrespected once again, win their first-round matchup against 
the Sixers, who are the sixth seed, crush the Sixers in five, not even close. Philly implodes, everyone saying and beat out. Brett Brown gets fired right after the series ends, so kind of unfortunate. Um, Miami and Indiana battle it out. Miami wins a tough six-game series. Malcolm Brogdon plays really well for the two games that he was healthy for. <laughs> um, it is what it is. Bam Adebayo solidifies his case for getting the most improved player. Uh, Miami takes on Milwaukee, and despite all the assumptions, Milwaukee wins in a gentleman's sweep in five. Obviously, Miami nightlife still undefeated, so they lose game three. Then Miami, then Milwaukee takes on Boston, and Boston, Milwaukee wins at six. It gets a little dicey. They lose game two at home. Things get it was a weird shooting night. Giannis didn't play that well for some odd reason. Gets in foul trouble, but turns it around, gets to the finals. Milwaukee versus LA, and Milwaukee will end up winning the championship in seven. Wow, I like that. There it is. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> There it is. Champions in my mind, baby. In my heart, <laughs> we're champs. It doesn't matter how This is what happens ends. when I <laughs> have been working on the what-ifs. I'm just giving the Bucks a title whenever I can. <laughs> oh. what, what they should do is, if the season gets canceled, they can go back to this podcast, and we can still have Justify the Parade to go out and be like, Brew Hoop Podcast NBA Sim slash Kyle Narrative <laughs> Champions. And we all, get, we all gather, obviously, six to eight feet apart from one another down you know some stretch in milwaukee and we we all quietly celebrate because we can't actually gather anywhere so it'll be a beautiful thing i'm looking forward to it i cannot wait well god love everyone that listened to us for the full hour and 15 minutes god love everyone who continues to listen and subscribe you share it with your friends if you really think they uh, would enjoy this um you know we'll be back again in the future hopefully maybe there will be some basketball content to talk about if not i guess like more shawarma reviews maybe mm-hmm. we'll try some new spices um who knows uh there's I, always a movie I have, review. <laughs> I have been thinking uh and i kind of ran this by you guys as well doing the inside the basket blogger studio where i you know depending on what we do on these sundays bring one of our other intrepid uh members over at brew hoop just to talk about their journey to the bunks bucks a little bit about them so maybe keep an eye out for that but we'll, we're trying to come up with content it's just you know difficult right now because the world is at a standstill so what are you going to do yeah in full disclosure i i literally put the outline together for this right before the podcast usually i do a little better for these guys but if you couldn't tell <laughs> so that that one's a little bit on me but uh thank you for everyone who's listening um brewhoop.com thanks to everyone who did the uh helped voted in the uh, best bucks team to never win a championship shout out to kyle's um really awesome piece about what if don nelson's bucks broke through definitely go check that out on brewhoop um probably have some more content for you this week uh espionation.com the big one is going to be doing their best team to never win a championship so head over there and you can vote um but in the meantime thank you to everyone for listening and we'll talk to you again soon